This presentation is from UX Australia 2015, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. So following on our and, and building on our theme of the importance, the importance of storytelling, uh, please join me in welcoming to the stage for our second last talk of the day, Alex Khan from Melbourne University. Thanks, Alex. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, thank you all for coming. My name is Alex. I'm going to talk uh, today about uh, novel uses for storytelling. Uh, there will be three main parts in this talk. The first one is just uh, about stories in general and uh, what kind of job the stories do for us. Uh, the second one is, uh, is more practical. I'll bring up some uh, scattered examples of uh, what's happening in the, in the area. And uh, the third one will cover potential uh, problem points. So as I start with uh, stories, I actually want to start with a particular story, which um, it's like this. Dom Delis, the comedian, was implicated in the following unseemly act in my mind's eye. He hocked a fat gobble of spittle on Albert Einstein's thick white mane and delivered a devastating karate kick to the groin of Pope Benedict XVI. Michael Jackson engaged in behavior bizarre even for him. For him. He... Okay. Okay. Uh, let, let, let me retract a bit, and uh, let's, let's just start with the definition of uh, what story is. And um, there are some, uh, there, there are a few academic uh, definitions, and this is one of them. So the story is a representation of an event of, or a series of an event, and well, this is uh, quite useless, because... <laughs> Because uh, if you're trying to be very formal about uh, what constitutes a story, you ended up being very inclusive about uh, what, what counts as a story. And then this, this couple of sentences, the first one is an event I put on the show today, and the second one makes it a series of events, so this is a story. And, <laughs> and seriously, if you, if you want to buy the rights to make a movie out of this story. By all means, I'm available after the session. <laughs> but generally, it's not what we think about when we think about a good story. And I've, I've been fascinated and curious um, about stories for, for a long time. And I tried to pin down wh why, what, what, what is so interesting about the stories, what is so important about them. And I ended up coming up with so many different answers, and it seemed like uh, you can never pin, pin it down. It will always be uh, ever-expanding. But then I saw a talk by this guy. His name is Andrew Stanton. He, uh, he is um, from Pixar. He made, uh, like he was main story, uh, story writer for Finding Nemo and Wally. And uh, he participated in creating all the Toy Stories. And in his TED Talk, he really made it simple for me. Stories make us care. That's, that's it. That's the main job of a story. It makes us care. 
And for that, grow all, all the uses of the sto- for, for the stories and all different ways of telling the stories, all type of stories. But that's, for me, it's the core. They, they make us care about things we wouldn't care otherwise. But uh, as I said, stories are everywhere, really. We encounter them every day, many times per day. And of course, there are stories in, in our field, in the UX. And just can you give me a, just a couple of examples of how do you use stories for what purposes? Just quickly shout, shout it out. Connections with people, yeah? Context? Synthesis? Okay. And yeah, and I heard the word story many times uh, during the, the, this couple of days. It seems like the very many different uses for stories in, uh, in the UX, and one of the most prominent is like creating personas. Or when you promote your, your product, you, you make a story about the product, or when you try to teach people how to use this, the product, also might be in, in form of a story. But today, I want to focus on a particular area because otherwise like, it's impossible to cover all uses of stor- for stories. And I want to focus on s- kind of a n- new way of thinking of stories, not uh, as a way to design a product, not as a way to promote or teach a product, but uh, I want to talk about products that kind of becoming stories by themselves or heavily exp- exploiting stories which bring us to practice when and in this in this part I want to give you some examples of what I'm talking about and uh, let's start with uh, artifacts so artifacts basically are objects with uh, that come with stories like this beer for example that's from Simpsons do you know the beer yeah uh, that's Duff and it was in Simpsons for a while until they actually made Duff. They released it as a, as a product. And unless it's absolutely terrible, people will buy it because, uh, and people will be interesting, interested in it more than in a like, new random beer because this one comes from, a, from this rich story universe. So how could we use this? Consider, for example, a crowded market of fitness trackers. There are lots of different types of them, and you want to make a new fitness tracker. How can you uh, bring the, the customers to you? You can make a fitness tracker that tracks better, so you can make, uh, put more sensors in it. Or you can make a fitness tracker that is cheaper, and say, okay, we have a very cheap fitness trackers, come to us. But eventually it's going to turn into this race to the bottom when everyone tries to either put, like, because your competitors might put even more features, or the other competitor might make it even more, even cheaper. There is another way to think about uh, how you can uh, introduce a new product, which is, what if there is a, like a variable device that can track your steps and that looks like this? <laughs> And people who want to start, I don't know, maybe get, getting fitter and live, living healthier lives and track their, the calories, they, they, would, they might be attracted to it, but not because of its tracking abilities, really, but because it, it comes from a rich story universe. Uh, there's another example. 
And I wish I could find the actual website I'm talking about, but sorry, I couldn't. I, I read about it a while ago. So there's a screenshot of eBay for you. eBay is nice, but it's not relevant. <laughs> Uh, the, the website I'm talking about is uh, another internet action thing, and the, the twist is they ask you to make a YouTube video of one minute about the thing you are selling. And it might be uh, an actual like, non-fiction story about where the, the project come from, why you're selling it, etc. Or you might invent completely fictional story and say that your laptop has superpowers or something like that. And people... Uh, that if they like the story, they might pay much more for, the, for this object than they would pay on eBay because uh, they're basically paying for the story, which sounds kind of odd. Like, why would someone pay more for the same object just because it's come with a story? But think about it. Think about art. Let's, let's talk about art. So the Mona Lisa, right? Or any really uh, important... Uh, uh, important painting. If it's original, it might cost to actually it costs more, more than a billion dollars. But if it's an uh, imitation, that it will cost cost to nothing. But the funny thing is that without an expert in without expert using special tools, you won't even be able to tell the difference between the original and the imitation. It's not about that original has better composition or color scheme. It's not about the material. It's not that original painting will be more durable or better in any way. The difference really is that one comes with a story and another doesn't. And the difference is huge, but it's only about the story. The second type of... Uh, examples is uh, uh, characters. We, we have digital characters now. You all have one with you today probably, and it might be called Siri, it might be called Cortana, or I don't know what's Google personal system called. Uh, but uh, they really made it this way to the mass market. And they, they kind of have started uh, having uh, their own personalities because they're not just providing answers. Like if I'm, I'm trying to use my mobile phone, so it might interfere with mine, but I hope it won't. What is zero divided by zero? Imagine that you have zero. Sorry. What is zero divided by zero? Imagine that you have zero cookies and you split them evenly among zero friends. How many cookies does each person get? See, it doesn't make sense. And Cookie Monster is sad that there are no cookies. And you are sad that you have no friends. So, this is Siri. Um, my Siri is transgen transgender. <laughs> but uh, Siri is known for, for the kind of playful, fun uh, character. It doesn't have to be that way, though. Uh, your, your character, might be, your digital character, might be grumpy and rude and offensive on purpose. Again, coming back to fitness uh, examples, there's a crowded market of uh, seven-minute exercise apps. Have you heard of them? Uh, so there's one of them, but uh, again... <laughs> comes with a twist. Uh, this app is called Carrot Feet, and it calls you a meatball. 
And uh, when you exercise, it says things like this. And <laughs> this is a t different type of character. It's a snarky, grumpy, sarcastic character that doesn't really care about you on purpose. <laughs> uh, speaking about characters, you might remember this little thing, a little guy that uh, is basically a digital pet. And uh, now, as artificial intelligence make, is, uh, is so advanced, we can put them back to this digital pet and uh, combine this idea of digital pet and a personal assistant and uh, get something like this, which is Jibo. And there is no sound. Sorry. Can you try that again? The world's first family robot. Say hi, Jibo. Hi, Jibo. <laughs> Jibo helps everyone out throughout their day. He's the world's best cameraman. By intelligently tracking the action around him, he can independently take video and photos so that you can put down your camera and be a part of the scene. Jibo, take the picture. He's a hands-free helper. You can talk to him. And he'll talk to you back, so you don't have to skip a beat. Excuse me, Anne? Yes, Jibo. Melissa, just sent a reminder that she's picking you up in half an hour to go grocery shopping. Thanks, Jibo. He's an entertainer and educator. Through interactive applications, Jibo can teach. Let me in, or else I'll... Huh. And I'll... Huh. And I'll blow your house in. <laughs> Hey, where'd you go? There you are. <laughs> you got the idea. Uh, next up is uh, roleplay. Yeah, roleplay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Before I get too excited, I'm not talking about this kind of roleplay now. Uh, what I'm talking about is more about uh, playing a hero. And uh, another fitness example for you is uh, this application called Zombies Run. And uh, the way you use this application, you go on an actual run, uh, preferably outdoors, and then you put your headphones in and you listen to a story. Number five, we had a zombie attack last night and we're low on uh, everything. We need whatever you can find. Collected a bottle of water, a radio, and a box of batteries. 2.4 kilometers, 17 minutes. Right on your tail. Don't look back. Zombies attacked a nearby farmhouse. The survivors are on the roof. We can't just leave them there to die. So you go for a run, and you pretend that you are here saving the world from a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and again, it might seem kind of silly and uh, very like, lightweight, but there's been uh, actual, actually scientific studies uh, conducted uh, to find out 
how this sort of role play and uh, pretending you someone else actually uh, influence uh, behavior if it if it does one of my favorite experiments was done in Sp in Stanford uh, lead researcher was uh, Jeremy Balenson so I called a helicopter versus a Superman study what they done they invited uh, participants into a lab they divided them in two groups uh, one group uh, they all been um, uh, trying uh, the virtual hel helmet, like an Oculus Rift. And one group was uh, experiencing flying on a helicopter. And another group of people was uh, put in this virtual reality where they were flying by themselves, like a, like a Superman, like they were having superpowers. And after that, they were invited for an interview, which was a setup. Because what was happening while uh, conducting the interview, the researcher uh, knocked accidentally, knocked over uh, a couple of uh, four pens, and then counted to five, and then started picking up pens. And what they were tracking is how many seconds it would take on average for people to start helping. And for Superman people, it took uh, on average uh, three seconds to start uh, picking up the pens, and for the helicopter people, how many seconds do you think it was? No, they, they did help. We <laughs> believe in people. People are good. Yeah, six. And now that researchers started picking up pens after five seconds, so it was more that uh, the helicopter people was help, were helping the researcher, where the like, Superman people were, were being proactive, basically. Uh, and it's not kind of a significant difference. It's not that Superman people will go and save the, the world after that experiment, but it, it does show that this kind of role play actually affects the way you, you behave. It's not just play pretend kind of thing. It's not only in your mind. The next up is dramatization. And I think the good point to talk about dramatization is an HBO series called Girls. And uh, the, 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 the series is about uh, what it is to be an Aboriginal football player in Australia. <laughs> or, or not, or maybe not. Maybe it's about the thing on the poster, which is quite self-explanatory. Uh, either way, it, uh, it, it became a, it's a popular and uh, critically acclaimed show. It's uh, in, in, in its five, fifth season, I think. Uh, there, there is some criticism, and uh, I, I find one particular strand of criticism interesting, and it's this notion that uh, Lena Dunham, the creator and the lead actress in the show, on, on the far right, is... Uh, too heavy on uh, like self-dramatization, and the underlying uh, point is that self-dramatization is this narcissistic thing when you just turn in your uneventful life into an HBO show and <laughs> <laughs> basically enjoying yourself. But uh, dramatization, your dramatization of one's life is not necessarily narcissism. It's the way of uh, Reconnecting with uh, with the, the memories and maybe rethinking the experience and thinking of some events that were 
probably maybe mundane to you as uh, and thinking them under the new light and realizing that maybe there's something some interesting angle to look at them and there are examples and experiments uh, around that so this music video by Arcade Fire uh, that they done with uh, Google Chrome Lab is an interactive music video. It starts uh, with the, the running, with the kid running through the forest. But the, the more you, you watch the video, the more you, you realize that there's something familiar to it. And then when they actually start showing you the, uh, then they actually start showing you the surroundings of the place where you were growing up in. And when you, then you finally realize that the kid is basically you, you and you arriving at the, at the house you were born at. So they had to, before you start watching, they had to ask for the address, which I mean, people still were surprised because they didn't expect that coming, but it was uh, a bit of a uh, spoiler alert, I guess. But there are services that uh, have your personal data already, so they, can, uh, they don't really need to ask for any uh, additional information. And Facebook is obviously a great example of that. And you might remember that from all these annoying friends posts that wanted to share the, <laughs> the year with you around last Christmas. Uh, and another example, maybe from, I think a better example, is uh, iMovie that uh, asks you for a bit more effort, but also gives you, provides you with a bit uh, more interesting result. And it's quite easy to do, actually. You just put your home videos. You, it, it recognizes the faces. You enter the names. And it, it does most of the work behind the, behind the scene without you. And what, uh, what's common for all these examples is that they take your personal memories, and they're trying to build some different narrative around that, whether to make it more exciting or somewhat provocative. And because it's based on your, your own life experience, uh, it's, it, it actually might be more exciting to watch uh, than, a, than a very expensive Hollywood blockbuster. But uh, these were some examples of uh, using of stories, uh, like products becoming stories, rather than using of stories to create the products. But of course, not every product has to become a story. And there are actually quite a few trade-offs when, when you try to, to do that. And at first, I named this uh, part issues, but the more I was researching it, it, <laughs> it kind of turned into 
the problems. So the first one is uh, the personality. Uh, when we, we think of uh, interfaces, when we design interfaces, we're trying to be very neutral in, in basically everything, and uh, especially in our language. And some jokes are allowed, and also there's uh, this common uh, shared trend of being a bit like, yeah, have a fun day, or good, done, nice job. This is acceptable, uh, and this is uh, and this is good. Like I'm not criticizing it. Obviously, it's uh, it's a very inclusive way of uh, uh, communicating. But the the thing about the great characters is that uh, the great characters are not inclusive. Uh, the the character which who is neutral is basically a character which which is Dao. And uh, to, to make a character non-DAO, you, you have to give the character some kind of personality. And as soon as you start building the personality, you, you need to pick the sides, which can be quite hard. And if you, if you do this wrong, your character, instead of being uh, engaging, interesting, etc., uh, will become annoying. And how annoying a digital character might be? Well, ask this guy. Uh, there's another example with Siri. Because uh, Siri is learning new languages, this, this year they, they made a Russian version of Siri. And as I pointed out before, Siri is trying to be funny sometimes. And uh, some, some of the jokes are based on um, some cultu cultural reference. So like before, when I asked about, uh, asked him, to divide zero by zero, it, uh, he brought up Cookie Monster. So in, uh, basically, when you try to translate Siri, you also need to translate jokes, but you do that by transferring them to other cultural background. And in the interesting story about Russian Siri was when uh, someone found out that you, if you ask Russian Siri, which can't do anything basically about same-sex marriage, it will say something like this. <laughs> Because I guess Russian department thought that's what Russian Siri should be like. And that became a news in the Western media, and that when it became a news uh, in the Western media, they fixed it. But it's an interesting way, like, think about it. It's not a bug fix, really. It's more about they, they had to pick a side, and they had to uh, say, have a say at what kind of character they are building. It's about uh, defining the, the character and defining the, the boundaries of the character. And maybe somewhere there is an like, Australian group in Apple trying to decide whether Siri should make Abbott jokes or not. And it's kind of a weird thing to think about because it's thinking, building deep, complex, interesting ch characters is not really a job of a UX designer, it's more what storytellers do. But on the other hand, uh, it's very deeply integrated with the interface. So maybe we decided, uh, when, when we think about Siri, like should Siri just follow our own like, political views and play along? Should it, be, should it be neutral? Should it try to uh, burst a bubble and bring some information from other sources? And maybe we should decide that there should be two series, uh, two series, 
and one series will invite you to a gun fair, and another series will recommend you some feminist books. But as soon as you have this idea, you need to decide how it's built into the interface. Like, do they talk? Uh, do they argue with each other? Do you have like two different buttons? So it's more of an interface. It becomes an interface problem that storytellers don't think about. So there is an interesting blend of what job storytellers do and what job uh, we do, and it's, it's still a bit unclear what, what's the divide and how can we make uh, better characters together. And speaking of characters, uh, the, the, the previous part was about bad characters, but even with, if, if you make a great character and uh, uh, people really love your character, it's not necessarily a good thing. Like, we hear these talks about engagement and involvement, but well, stories can be so engaged and people engaging, and people can get so involved to the point where it gets out of control. There was a story in New York Times about a boy with an uh, autism who bonded very closely with Siri, Siri again. And uh, they actually, like, the, the subheading for the article was uh, boy's uh, best friend forever, something like this. And it, uh, it was a cute but also worrying story because if you... If you think, like, when we change uh, the interface of a website, for example, you know how annoyed some people can, can be about that. And the, the metaphor for that might be that you just basically came to someone's house and rearranged the furniture. And even if it's a better way to, re to arrange the furniture, it still can be very annoying. But now imagine that you come to someone's life and replace their friend. Like, how, how's, how, what's the reaction will be to that? And what I was thinking about when reading this article, what if Apple decides for some reason to abandon Siri and uh, what the, the boy will be left at? And especially if you're on a spectrum, you, you don't really appreciate this kind of changes in your life. But I guess we, we don't have to worry about that. Like, when would Apple abandon an old product? <laughs> And while Apple will never do that, there are companies that do. And uh, New York Times ran another uh, article on uh, what happens then.無生物と生物は断絶しているのではない。断絶しているように見えるのは人間の観察力が浅いからである。どうぞ我々の心を汲み取っていただき、この気持ちが愛語、この機会の中にあるであろうスピリットに届きますようお祈りいたします。There are thousands of eyeballs bound to die, basically. <laughs> and it's really bizarre to think about people getting so emotionally attached to these uh, digital pets and uh, basically robots. And 
you think like this is just a piece of plastic with some silicon chip inside, but again, studies prove that there, it's, there's more than that. Like this is not just a stuffed toy. It, it has some electronic state that can react to certain things, but it's also not a robot. It's actually a medical device that uh, is uh, being tested for treating PTSD. Because for people with post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, having a pet is actually uh, quite uh, helpful for them. But not every person with PTSD can, can have a pet. Some people have allergies. Some people are, uh, cannot take a, a, like a good care, everyday care of their pet. So for them, they provided with these robo-pets. And what they've they found finding so far is that it actually can help with treatment of PTSD. So the people actually think of that as a pet. And again, it's not, it's not just some kind of in-your-mind thing. It has actual effects on, uh, how, on your behavior and how your, your body responds. So we think, they, they think about this, the feelings towards this thing is uh, closer to the feelings of a person towards actual dogs rather than a feeling of a person towards a computer. And the last one is triggers. And there's, al there's always a risk about, uh, of triggering some uh, bad memories, bad experiences. You might be very excited to tell a person about the, the, the time you went to a Disneyland and all that person would think uh, secretly is his own first time when he was vomiting all day. So that's, a, not a, that's basically a trigger for a sad memory. Uh, but that's especially uh, important to realize when we're using people's personal uh, memories in order to create new narratives like Facebook did with uh, yeah, in your review. Uh, the web designer, Eric Mayer, wrote a blog post about what it was for him to see this, uh, this um, promo in his timeline, basically Facebook suggested, they don't suggested, they actually made a video for him uh, like they do for all users. You just choose to share it or not to share. And uh, they, they put uh, some happy people dancing because it's holiday time. And uh, they put the picture of his daughter uh, on the, the cover because the, the algorithms figure out what people were most important for you that, that year, and what people you like took picture, most pictures of and videos, etc. And this picture was important. Uh, but what uh, algorithms didn't take into account is that his daughter actually died earlier that year. When I, when I talk, I was kind of throwing the ideas uh, in, back in Melbourne, speaking, talking to people and trying to uh, plan this talk. And the most common reaction is this kind of concern about people bonding with computers, uh, as I call this. And uh, uh, you, you probably all heard the similar arguments, like uh, it's all about people, people looking at the screens all the time, people becoming less social, and uh, we're losing what makes us human, etc. And, and th th this is my personal pet peeve, like this kind of talks. Like, come on, people. When we read books, when we are reading book, we basically cry over drops of inks. So uh, we sympathize with <laughs> fictional characters, 
characters that are not actual people, that don't really exist, that are not actually human, but it does make us more human. And I bet when, they were, when the books were just invented, there was just a similar concern that humanity is now bonding with dead trees, and it's very sad. But, uh, but whether you like it or not, it's bound to happen. Uh, I don't know, actually, whether it's stories make their way to technologies or technology they make their way to storytelling. But there are some uh, interesting things, medium, whatever you call it, growing on this intersection, and it's becoming, the story is becoming important for technologies. So... I'm not finished. <laughs> I just take it as you like the joke. <laughs> uh, I want to inspire you to to think about stories, even if you don't uh, plan like building a, a character or using someone's personal uh, experiences to create new narratives or anything like that, but um, it's important to think about this because as the stories are coming to the industry, I think our job is to make sure that we, we're bringing good stories in because... I'm going to finish this talk uh, with the story. I'm going to finish the story. So this is Joshua Foyer. Uh, who knows who he is? Anyone? Uh, yeah, okay. He's an American journalist, and he went to interview people at, who were competing at the uh, memory competition. So basically, uh, uh, the competition was uh, about who memorized uh, uh, random facts the, the fastest. And as he was talking to these people, he realized that it's not about the... the being great with memorizing things is not about having some uh, uh, unique brain uh, be, or being a genius or anything like that. It's more about uh, knowing the right techniques and training at them. So he started training, and in 2006, he became a U.S. champion in memory competition. And he shared uh, these techniques in his uh, book or in his experience, and here's one of them. So... Uh, the, what, what you need to do in this kind of sort of competition is to uh, memorize the order of a shuffled deck. Uh, to explain the principle, I need a very simple deck, which consists only of eight cards. There are just twos and kings and there are, uh, of, of, uh, of all kinds. And uh, when you rand randomize this, when, when you shuffle this deck, it's, it's and trying to remember, it's hard because it's just factual. There's just one card coming after another card, I'm coming after another card. And we don't, we're not really good at uh, memorizing random facts because we don't care. So the technique is to make a narrative that will make us care. And because you want to make uh, a story that you remember, you try to put an association with every card, and you're trying to use some uh, celebrities and some emotionally charged words because it's going to kickstart your, your brain. So, for instance, we can come up with a system like this. Uh, we put an association with uh, each card, and then we shuffle the deck. And then all we need to do is to fill the gaps with our imagination. 
So with this system, you don't need to remember that uh, the king, the king of hearts is coming, is followed by the two of clubs, is followed by the king of spades. All you need to remember is that Michael Jackson defecated on a Selman burger. And that's an image that's going to stick in our mind for far too long. I know. Thank you. And that's it, folks. We can all go home. That's it. Yes. Uh, questions for Alex? Now, you're all too scared. And I understand why. Daniel. Just wanted to say that was an amazing talk. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm really interested... In, um, to know what was your inspiration um, behind this presentation? Like, what is it something you've been thinking about for a while? Or uh, I've been fascinated with stories for a long while. I don't know where it came from, but the, the inspiration for this particular talk came out of my frustration with my research because when doing a PhD, all, all you're required to do is to be very focused and precise, and what I'm best at is bringing up different ideas from different fields and going very wide, but uh, I, I couldn't use it all in my thesis because that would mean that I would be stuck in the, the university forever. So, yeah, I just uh, thought about them in my spare time and, yeah, and ended up, ended up with, with this. Other questions? Um. Yeah, that was great. Uh, uh, could you talk about the difference between stories and universes? Oh. You know, between one, one journey and then a world and how they kind of... Yeah, if... Uh, yes, if you think about it as a, like a constructor, you can have a themed Lego, like a Star Wars theme, like with uh, objects and uh, some characters from the... the from, from the, the Star Wars, but it's not a story yet. You, you need to construct the story from these elements. And the, the, the elements by themselves are like uh, recognized and have value, but uh, they're not connected into a narrative yet. So there's, uh, I guess, the difference. Like a story universe it, uh, is basically uh, the, consists from the elements that constitute the story. Fabulous. So two things. First, please join me in thanking Alex. Thank you. We hope you liked this presentation from UX Australia 2015. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.